Chapter Twenty and the Conclusion of the Actress in High Life, an episode in Winter Quarters by Sue Pettigrew Bowen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty. Ralph, help down with the hangings. Roger, by and by, Ralph. I am making up the trunks here. Ralph, who looks to my lady's wardrobe? Humphrey, down with the boxes in the gallery and bring away the couch cushions. Short hose will it not rain no conjuring abroad nor no devices to stop this journey from wit without money away you trifler love i love thee not i care not for thee kate this is no world to play with mammoths and to tilt with lips we must have bloody noses and cracked crowns and pass them current too god's me my horse from henry the fourth lord strathern returned the next day to elvas and found his daughter very desolate and full of more than filial anxiety to see him she was alone for the commissary had the day before sent off his heavy baggage toward lisbon lady mabel would at any time have grieved at parting with a true-hearted friend like mrs shortridge but now other troubles weighed heavy on her and so aggravated her obvious grief while the chief cause was hidden that her kind friend was deeply moved and greatly flattered at perceiving it had she stayed longer in elvas lady mabel would have confided her troubles to her knowing that though she might not think wisely she could feel rightly and give both advice and sympathy but after a struggle of hesitation she let mrs shortridge depart in ignorance receiving from her many kind messages and adieus for lille perhaps it was best that it should be so for had the good lady learned the usage her favorite had met with she might for once in her life have boiled over with indignation well ma belle said lord strathern as soon as he was alone with his daughter so that fellow lille beat us after all at our own game i did expect that your woman's wit would have carried it through successfully would to heavens papa my woman's wit as you call it had been sufficient to keep me out of it altogether how could you think of putting such a part upon me i never would have dreamed of it if you had not urged insisted on my detaining him here what is colonel lille to me that i should manoeuvre to keep him in elvis when sir roland expects him in alcantara and as for my resenting your quarrels with him there is an impropriety in it and yet more in the mode you made me adopt i am ashamed of myself i am ashamed of you papa for conceiving it and to fail after all said lord strathern and yet by lille's own account you played your part well his account exclaimed lady mabel to whom to us all sir roland bradshaw conway and myself he was disposed to be sulky and silent at first but with sir roland's help we drew it all out of him drew it all out of him said lady mabel in a faltering tone she gasped for breath and her cheeks grew pale for the next moment the blood rushed into her face and she exclaimed what did colonel lille give you a full account of the party of all that occurred that evening full and minute he was very reluctant to tell as we were all laughing at him but sir roland is a good inquisitor and made him speak out and at length i did not know he had so good a memory or you so much wit for heaven's sake papa what did he tell you lady mabel sat watching her father with eager eyes her hands firmly clasped and her heel impatiently tapping the floor while she strove to master her almost uncontrollable confusion and anxiety why he handed me your note said lord strathern perhaps he meant it for my eye alone 
but it was such capital bait for the trap that i read it aloud he then seemed to make up his mind to conceal nothing he told us of your artful delays your slow-paced coach crawling up hill of your efforts to entertain mrs shortridge's company and keep him employed as interpreter your songs and your care to prolong the amusements of the evening your affected fears at riding home in your old coach with your new postillion he described your supper-party and repeated your entertaining conversation your libel on moody gone drunk to bed and your satire on sir roland and the rest of us your well-acted terror of robbers and your triumph over him when you thought the game was won if you had not been overconfident and too hasty mabel we could have had lil on the hip was that all he told you asked lady mabel why was there anything more to tell inquired her father lady mabel drew a deep long breath then he said nothing about my my singing constant my heart to him how exclaimed lord strathern did you sing constant my heart at him how could i help it papa it came in so pat to the purpose the devil it did it seems you did not mean to fail by underacting your part it is lucky he forgot to mention it was there anything more and he said nothing about squeezing my hand in the coach asked she hesitatingly when i showed so much fear of its overturning squeezing your hand or of his kissing it after supper what had he got on so far and pray madam what did you tell him tell him said lady mabel i was acting a part you know papa so i told him his presumption had put jenny aiken quite out of countenance by jove you were acting your part with a vengeance why not tell him at once never to kiss your hand when a third person was present how can you talk so papa i meant no such thing but what account did he give you of his leaving the house merely that he hurried away when you unmasked the plot to him hastened to elvis to get his horse and post off to alcantara then he said nothing of his leaping out of the window did he leap out of the window or of my trying to hold him back what exclaimed lord strathern starting up did he escape by jumping out of the window when you tried to detain him the height was so great i feared he would break his neck damn his neck said lord strathern striding up and down the room better a neck cracked than a reputation things have come to a pretty pass you singing love-songs at him he squeezing and kissing your hand perhaps going further in these cases women never tell the whole truth when he would escape by leap from your window you try to keep him by strength of arm you get on finely madam three months in the army have done wonders for you three months more will accomplish you so thoroughly that you will be fit for no other society through life i will tell you what mabel i will not lose a moment but bundle you up and pack you off to your aunt while you are yet worth sending between shame and indignation at this unjust assault from such a quarter poor lady mabel burst into tears and rushed off to her room where she looked herself up resolving never again to leave it until she commenced her journey homeward it was not long before her hasty father repented of his coarse and violent attack on her in a case in which the heaviest fault was his own he came rapping at her door and by dint of apologies remonstrance and commands brought her out and induced her to spend the evening in his company and a very uncomfortable evening it was to both of them two days after this lil rode into elvis and brought orders with him that set the town astir 
such a breaking up of all the comfortable and luxurious arrangements of messes and quarters had not been lately seen for elvis was the capua of the brigade which had to lighten itself of many an encumbrance including much of what shortridge termed its heavy baggage in order to bring itself to a condition to march there was many a woeful parting too and scandal says that the ladies of elvis might have laid the dust with their tears but we will leave these stories to colonel bradshaw all was confusion in the household at headquarters lord strathern had to bestir himself to get both his brigade and himself ready to march by one route and lady mabel had to prepare for her journey by another it was now that moody's worth shone manifestly forth the old coach and harness were overhauled and put in order he secured we believe by impressment another pair of mules and two postilions every leaf of the hortus sigus was carefully packed and put into the hands of an arriero bound for lisbon and jenny aiken and william the footman were pulled and shoved about in a way that convinced them that it was time to be moving yet he found plenty of time to spur up my lord's own servants and push forward their preparations busy as lord strathern was he failed not to remark moody's prompt methodical and energetic labours he pronounced him the prince of quartermasters and a heavy loss to the army the old fellow would evacuate a fortress or conduct a retreat with the precision of a parade and not leave even a dropped cartridge to the enemy behind him in fact had marshal soult sworn to sack elvis to-morrow moody could not have been more on the alert in getting lady mabel ready to leave it not that he was afraid of a frenchman he would willingly have faced him and made his mark upon him but when all might be lost and nothing gained by staying moody like xenophon was proving his soldiership by a speedy yet orderly retreat he was carrying off lady mabel via the villages of lisbon and london to his stronghold of craggy side where he trusted she would be safe from lille and popery many signs of a speedy flitting were now seen about headquarters lady mabel sat melancholy and alone in her half-dismantled drawing-room to-morrow she is again to enter the desert of alemtejo on her way back to lisbon what a relief she would have found in busy preparations even for that dull journey now robbed of all the charms of novelty and expectation but moody's industrious alacrity had deprived her even of this resource she was ready and instead of busy preparations had only sad thoughts to occupy her about to part with that father of whom she had known more in the last three months than in all her life before for hitherto hers had been but a child's knowledge of him loving him and proud of him for the defects she began to see she viewed but as minor blemishes foreign to his nature and due solely to that long career in which he had known no home nor companionship but what he found in garrison and field she could not conceal from herself the new career of danger she was about to run everything she heard indicated that he was now to march to fields where war's wild work would be urged on with a fury and on a scale for which the last five campaigns great as their results had been were but the preparation she shuddered to think that yet a few days or weeks and the veteran of near forty years of service may lie on his last field this perhaps was not her greatest grief but she strove to make it so and sat gloomily and anxiously awaiting her father's return from elvis presently she heard the sound of horses hoofs clattering on the pavement of the court rising from her melancholy posture she was going to meet her father when on opening the door colonel lill stood before her all the incidents of the last evening they had spent together particularly those which she had so carefully suppressed from the narrative wrung from him rushed upon her memory her folly and his generous forbearance stood facing each other 
casting her eyes on the floor and grasping the handle of the door to steady her tottering frame she could only gasp out i expected my father my lord is very busy in elvis and so indeed was i said lil coolly but as i march at sunrise to-morrow i felt bound to borrow a few minutes from duty to take my leave of lady mabel stuart she now recollected herself enough to let go the handle of the door and make room for him to enter and by a motion of the hand invited him to take a seat taking a chair near her lil ran his eye round the well-remembered room perhaps he was thinking of his last visit here perhaps remarking his dismantled comfortless condition it was not more changed than he was all his earnest frankness of manner was gone he seemed to have borrowed a leaf from colonel bradshaw's book and his air of cool self-possession his imperturbable manner under the present trying circumstances would have excited that gentleman's admiration but it added a chill to the discomfort of lady mabel's position had he been angry indignant haughty or sullen it would have been an infinite relief to her she might have known how to deal with him and perchance have soon brought him round to a very different mood now lille evidently waited with cool politeness to hear some sound from her lips and she at length stammered out i am very sorry that you are going that is that papa and all of you are going so soon our pleasant sojourn in elvis is over said lille carelessly and elvis is a pleasant place your stay here too has been quite an episode in winter quarters we cannot thank you too much for the enlivening influence of your presence among us i for one will ever carry with me a vivid recollection of it lady mabel bowed how cold and formal did this sound in her ears to do ourselves justice continued lil some of us have not been remiss in our efforts to enable you to pass your time pleasantly i dare say now were i to hold myself to a strict account i could reckon up many an hour stolen from the dull routine of duty to devote it to lady mabel's service i am surely deeply indebted to you for the hours you so borrowed to bestow on me lady mabel answered much at a loss what to say and looking every way but at lil when i look back i cannot but be surprised at the amount of my gains the knowledge and amusement i have crowded into three short months and chiefly through you that time has passed however said lil i can no longer be at hand to afford you amusement and as for knowledge although older than you and knowing more of life the world and perchance of books i doubt whether you have been the greatest gainer in our intercourse but feeling a deep interest in you i sincerely hope that you may gain one precious lesson through me what is that asked lady mabel eagerly for the first time looking fully at him never again heartlessly to throw away a friend lil said this more gravely than bitterly then rising he bowed respectfully but formally and was turning to go away can she let him go without one word but what can she say she at length gasped out it was papa's doing your father's doing exclaimed lil with well-feigned astonishment then lady mabel is an automaton he added scornfully and i blockhead that i am never found it out till now but i am thankful for wisdom even that comes too late i now know lady mabel and myself was not lady mabel now disarmed and defenceless completely at his mercy by no means in this extremity she sheltered herself behind her strongest defences she covered her face with her hands and burst into tears was ever man more embarrassed than lil 
his proud scornful air vanished like a snowflake in the fire and forgetting all that had passed he was seizing her hands to draw them away from her face when old moodie abruptly entered the room and called out colonel lil you are wanted in elvis what the devil are you doing here said lil turning around quickly and placing himself so as to hide lady mabel's face my duty said the old man sternly and they have sent for you to attend to yours for he saw that something had gone wrong and he longed to get lil out of the house looking into the passage lil now saw an orderly whom moodie had officiously brought upstairs from the door and he hurried out to receive the man's message and send him off this done he hastily re-entered the room to speak to lady mabel but he was too late the bird had flown and her old scotch terrier was covering her retreat shutting the door of the next room behind her and spitefully locking it in lil's face at sunrise the next morning lil marched his regiment out of elvis setting his face sternly northward he never once looked back on the serried ranks which followed him until the embattled heights of la lippa had hidden elvis and its surroundings turning his back upon the past he strove to look but to the future but at the very moment of this resolve memory cheated him and he caught himself repeating a line of lady mabel's song all else is forgotten war is now my theme and the thrilling music of her intonation seemed to swell upon his ear he hastily exchanged his quotation for a greater poet's words he that is truly dedicate to war hath no self-love if it be possible to forget he will have ample opportunity amidst the crash of armies and the crumbling of an empire to erase from his memory elvis and its episode in winter quarters from the heights of trazos montes wellington was now to make an eagle's swoop upon the north of spain and a lion's spring upon the herd driven into the basin of vittoria the march now begun was to lead thence to the blood-stained passes of the pyrenees to bayonne Ortes, and toulouse and later to paris from the field of waterloo but who shall measure step by step over conquered enemies and fallen friends this long eventful road to die beneath the hoofs of trampling steeds that is the lot of heroes upon earth conclusion he that commends me to mine own content commends me to the thing i cannot get i to the world am like a drop of water that in the ocean seeks another drop who falling there to find his fellow forth unseen inquisitive confounds himself from comedy of errors three eventful years have passed and a general peace is giving rest to exhausted europe the war has cut off many a brave man but it remained for peace to terminate the military career of a rising soldier in lil's person and sad to say before he was either major-general or knight of the bath though sought in many a dangerous path he had not found his golden spurs regiments have been disbanded his comrades are scattered and he himself has nothing to do not even the poor resource of having to study economy on half pay or of looking for more additional means to eke out a living it is the course of those entirely engrossing pursuits which excite all our enthusiasm and task every energy and of which the statesman's and the soldier's callings are the best examples that when they fail us we can find no substitute all things else are by comparison stale flat and unprofitable can the brandy-drinker cheer himself with draughts of small beer screw up his nervous energies to their accustomed tone with slops tired to death of fox-hunting pleasant shooting and country neighbours all the means of excitement around him exhausted lil lounged in the library at c d hall with half a dozen open but discarded volumes before him 
revolving in his mind all possible means of occupation at one time he would resolve to travel the world over and get up a personal narrative attractive as that of humboldt and views of nature that should look through nature's surface to the recognition of nature's god whom the philosopher seems never to have found in all his works at another time in order more effectively to counteract the ill effects on mind and habits of the soldier's exciting and unsettled life he resolved to subject himself to still severer regimen not to go rambling about the world an idling philosopher but to tie himself down to one spot and take violently to a course of high farming grow the largest turnips breed the fattest south downs and the heaviest devonshires and carry off agricultural prizes as substitutes for additional waterloo medals but this was too severe a contrast to his late mode of life and the prospect soon disgusted him utterly having strong influence to back him he now thought of getting a seat in parliament and for a moment the prophetic cries of hear hear arose from both sides of a full house of commons but he knew that the occasion even more than the man makes the orator and in this weak piping time of peace these cost-counting debt-paying days he foresaw no occasion that could call forth the thunders of demosthenes or burke but although a new light shines in upon him and he suddenly makes up his mind that since he can no longer take the field because all the world is tired of fighting and yet more of paying the bills run up in that expensive diversion he will write the narrative of the campaigns in which he had taken part without letting the quorum pars magna fui fill too large a place in the picture where can he find so much of the materials needed in the construction of his work as in london so to london he went the season was at its height and the town was full lille's object required that he should not only examine many musty papers but see many persons as some of his gayer friends soon found him out and induced him to look in upon the inner circles of london fashionable life to which his early and long absence from england had kept him a stranger it so happened that lord strathern had come up from his moors where the winter had got too cold for him the climate had changed much since he was a boy to visit the clubs and meet old comrades but these proved too much for the old veteran who soon had to shut himself up in order to stave off an attack of his old enemy the gout he would not however permit lady mabel to stand the siege with him the consequence was that not long after lille had come up to london he found himself in one of lady d s thronged rooms within four steps of lady mabel in three years she had become if we may be pardoned the bull more like herself than ever for she was now all that she had promised to be she shone out in a richer and riper beauty and a more sedate and womanly deportment set it off retaining not the least trace of that somewhat cavalier manner she had picked up in the brigade she was more than three years wiser and certainly more dangerous than ever lille had long and studiously schooled himself to the conviction that his fair and fascinating companion in elvis was after all but a heartless woman yet his vanity to say nothing of any other feeling had never quite gotten over the rude shock it had received on mrs shortridge's great night there his first thought was to withdraw from the dangerous neighbourhood but he blushed at his own cowardice and the moment after having caught her eye he self-confident made his way through the crowd and greeted her politely as an old acquaintance it was plain that she was a little nervous on his approach her lips were compressed for a moment and she drew more than one deep breath while watching him closely and carefully modelling her manner by his yet no stranger could have inferred from word or look that they had not met for years still less that they had ever met on terms of intimacy 
if lil needlessly prolonged the conversation to the annoyance of the gentleman at her elbow his sole object was to prove to her beyond the possibility of doubt by his easy self-possession that he had now at least attained a sublime indifference where she was concerned the ice once broken accidents seemed to throw them frequently into the same company lil doubtless needed relaxation from his historical labours and a london season had at least the attraction of novelty for him he was too just the man to win friends among the ladies yet he still made it a point whenever he met lady mabel to bestow on her a few minutes cold attention and indifferent notice for old acquaintance sake lady mabel stood in no need of these attentions it was not her first season and many a butterfly that hovered about that garden which blooms in winter at the west end had hailed with delight the reappearance of this rare flower and she liked to have them buzzing about her it was her due and yielded pleasant pastime yet while busiest dealing sentiment jest and repartee among them she now had always an ear and a word for lil when he condescended to bestow a few minutes cold consideration on her her gentleman-in-waiting wondered at her having so much to say to lil she seemed to be under an obligation to be at leisure for him and sir charles morton who was argus-eyed where lady mabel was concerned ventured to ask what pleasure can you find in talking to this austere soldier his smile is a sneer he warms only to grow caustic and his cynical air betrays how little he cares even for you were you ever clogged with sweet things asked lady mabel at times i tire of bonbons and long for vinegar salt and pepper my austere friend deals in these articles she seemed to have found a special use for him treating him as a complete thinking machine of high powers of observation inflection thought and reason but not susceptible of aught that savoured of feeling sentiment or passion she quietly threw the mantle of mentor over his shoulders deferred to his judgment had recourse to him as a storehouse of knowledge and seemed so fully impressed with the fact that he had a head as utterly to forget the probability of his having a heart with a strange perversity lil was at once flattered and annoyed at the use she made of him it was an unequal game he was playing like a moth fluttering round a candle his temper began to be worn threadbare and oftener than ever he repeated to himself she is a heartless woman in this mood lil was listening with a curled lip to an animated discussion between lady mabel sir charles morton and another gentleman as to the merits of a new actress a dramatic meteor then briefly eminent on the london boards the honourable mr l who was a savant in the small sciences that cater to amusement pronounced her the siddons of the day lady mabel called her a ranter then as if alarmed at her temerity appealed as usual to lil no one can be a better judge of acting than lady mabel said lil but for her opinion i would call your favourite an indifferently good actress thus to damn with faint praise displeased mr l more than positive censure and he exclaimed then you never saw her play jane shore the illusion is perfect the house is deceived into forgetting the drama to witness the living and dying agonies of the desolate penitent who can equal her many answered lil and lady mabel can do better lady mabel she doubtless excels in everything but i never saw her act i have said lil bitterly the illusion of mrs s acting is limited to the spectators lady mabel deceives him who acts with her lady mabel turned pale and then red while the two gentlemen stared at her and lil alternately suddenly exclaiming there is my friend mrs b i have not seen her for a month i must go and speak to her 
she accepted the arm of the savant in small things and hastened after her friend who had appeared so opportunely you set little value on lady mabel's favors said sir charles looking inquisitively at lil you have certainly offended her greatly do you think so said lil coldly then i suppose i must apologize and beg my peace if you do it successfully said his companion i will be glad of a lesson from you in the art lil was angry with himself not that he felt that he owed lady mabel any amends but he had never until now made the slightest allusion to certain scenes in the past pride had forbidden it and he was still reproaching himself with his want of self-control when on entering another room he saw lady mabel seated between two old ladies having ensconced herself there to get rid of the small savant she no longer looked discomposed or angry nor did she turn her eyes away on his approach she almost seemed to wish to speak to him so he offered his arm and they walked toward the room he had just left i know that you are too proud she said to ask my pardon for the attack you made on me just now so i wish to tell you that i have already forgiven it that is truly generous said lil with haughty irony you prove the adage false which says the injurer never forgives say you so i see then that you have gone back years to dig up old offences although i remember to repent of them i trusted that you would have willingly forgiven and forgot my folly or only recall it to laugh at it i know now she said stealing a look at him that you are of an unforgetting unforgiving temper then looking away she added i thought better of you once there are some things answered lil but in a softened tone not to be forgotten nor easily forgiven i assure you said lady mabel with the air of a penitent i have been terribly ashamed of myself ever since had i known that you still viewed my thoughtless conduct as a serious wrong to you i would willingly have made you any apology any reparation apologies would hardly reach the evil said lil but any reparation that is a broad term any i mean that you ought to ask or i to make there would be no absolute impropriety in my asking a good deal said lil in tones that reminded lady mabel of some witching moments in elvis i will not make the blunder of asking too little he added resolutely let me first ask when you will be at home to-morrow at three certainly at three more certainly at two she answered in a low tone and most certainly at one said he joyously i like your superlative degree of comparison i only meant she said yet more confused that i am more likely to be at home alone at two and turning quickly away she took a vacant seat beside one of her friends to whom while fanning herself she complained of the heated room she seemed indeed quite overcome by it which accounted for her laboured breathing and heightened colour after all said lady mabel some days after the morning on which lil found her at home alone i was neither so good an actress nor so great a hypocrite as you took me for my offence was not so much that i stimulated as that i ceased to dissemble lil readily embraced the faith that she was no actress but a true woman nor did he ever waver from it but she did not always find so easy a convert old moody true to his nature baffled all her efforts to convince him of his errors it is true that he became in time somewhat reconciled to lil but to his dying day he continued to loud that special providence which had snatched lady mabel from the land of idolatry at the very last moment before her perversion to rome lady mabel was not the woman to forget old friends 
and now that she could recur with pleasure to her recollections of elvis she sought out that companion who had so amiably filled the part of duenna and chaperon she and mrs shortridge fought all their battles over again by retracing step by step varied excursions and toilsome journey while enjoying all the comforts of an english home but it never does to tell all that we do still less to lay open the spirit in which we do it lady mabel never let mrs shortridge fully into the secret history of the last dark treacherous scene in the episode in winter quarters lord strathern was much pleased to find that lille had greatly modified his opinion as to the mechanical nature of an army and hoped in time to dispel certain other erroneous notions to which he had formerly clung so stubbornly it is not known whether or not lille ever finished his narrative of the peninsular campaigns it is certain that he never published it the author often labors harder than the ploughman and when a man is made happy he becomes lazy let the wretched toil to mend his lot or to forget it end of chapter twenty and the conclusion end of the actress in high life an episode in winter quarters by sue pettigrew bowen recorded by celine major